Hi everyone, this is Praveen Agarwal, co-founder and CEO of Better Place. Praveen Agarwal was living the Indian dream. He was an engineer who had had a very successful career with the European tech giant SAP and was a vice president there. But the itch to give back and impact the lives of millions of Indians drove him to quit that job and start up. And in this candid conversation with your host Akshay Dutt, Pravin shares the journey of building Better Place, which is today among the most successful HR tech companies in India. Better Place has built a platform of products that helps companies with large blue-collar workforce to manage people better and helps their employee base to get access to financial products previously unavailable to them. Better Place has raised almost 75 million dollars in the last 2 years thanks to this amazing combination of the large addressable market and very low customer acquisition costs in churn. Stay tuned and learn how Pravin built this amazing business and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app to learn about building businesses that last. So I started my journey as a developer, right? So entire 18 years I worked with SAP prior to Better Place, based out of Bangalore, but doing multiple different roles globally. When I quit SAP, I was heading the cloud ERP product called Business by Design globally for SAP. And when I was working with SAP, you know, SAP largely provides solutions for white collar from an HS point of view. And you interact with a lot of frontline workforce, blue collar workers, right? To study more, I stayed in Chembur, that's a slum area in Mumbai. So a couple of weeks I spent there, 20 life counts. I know what is the life of people. So this was a very interesting, eye-opening thing for me. And then I always read about that there is no employment. People are struggling to find jobs. Companies I talk to, they say, I don't have people. Right? If you go to a retail company, they don't have resources. If you go to a security guard company, any security guard company you talk to, the only problem they'll say, I don't have resources right, to grow. You talk to a construction company, they struggle with resources. So I saw this problem. I said, somebody has to solve this problem. And that's where the idea of better place germinated with the key focus, Akshay, which is how do we create value for the blue-collar workers? And that's why we call ourselves better place. So creating better place for millions of people across the world, right? That is how better place uh, started. Like there's a very global statement, make employment, like make companies a better place for blue-collar workers, which I'm sure... Today, you can explain it well, but at that time, you probably had a narrower focus. Tell me about that evolution. I think, yeah, that's a very, very profound question. So how we started is, how can we help a person find a better opportunity in future, right? Or from an employer point of view, hire the right guy. That was the first statement we had. So for example, you do not know who the people are, what is their background, and how this happened. So we said, okay, we'll create a database of millions of people, first of all, right? of every Indian possible in the system. And now as an employer, you have identified the person. You want to hire Praveen, but you want to know more about Praveen, so you come to the database. So it's more like a background verification, KYC service that we started with. Then we looked into what are the other problems of the employer, right? But at the same time, how do you create more data about the individual, right? At the end of the day, you have to create more data. If you want to give a credit solution to Praveen as a blue-collar worker, you have to know more about Praveen to give a credit, right? So he said, how do we create? So he said, okay, we will create more solutions for the enterprise, thereby building more data about the individual. So we onboarding or KYT. Then we added the training solution onto it. Then we added 
attendant solution into it. Then we added payroll. Then we added compliance. Then we added grocery, dark management and so on. This is a very ops-heavy kind of a business. You're coming from SAP, which is like from a focus of building pixels into something so ops-heavy. Like, how did you pull this off? So coming from SAP, you always focus on white collar. 2015, we started Better Place, right? First six months, we were still in our white collar shoes, more or less, right? From a product point of view, thinking point of view, design point of view. So it is not solving my problem, right? They said, you take the software and you do it. They said, I don't want the software. I want the problem to be solved, right? Software is not solving my problem. Somebody has to solve the problem. You gave them like a workflow tool where a workflow tool manage background verification on their own. Correct, correct. So now we had to learn about background verification. So I started meeting a lot of companies who were doing background verification. I'm very thankful to a lot of people who guided me into that process. But knowing nothing about background verification technically at that moment, now we do millions of people, so we have some idea. That's why we didn't know anything, so we started questioning everything. Some of the questions were very idiotic, right? For example, you a blue-collar worker, and you have and you have to, someone, I have to go and verify your address. Now the address will say, one of the address thing words that my house is behind the temple. apartment, flat number and all. But in this case, behind the temple, right? And address verification fails. So that was never working. So I started doing address verification myself. I went on the street. I was checking the houses to figure out the problem. Because we said, you cannot do address verification if you have to do, let's say, 1 million address verification every month, you cannot do with people, right? There has to be technology. So we went to the drawing board again. So we like, technology use technology. So we created a technology. We said, we will create verifiers across the country. You, we map the address with the geotag. Then the verifier is the nearest person. We locate the person and say, okay, you are close to the house. You take this mobile app, go to the person. Take a photo of the house, then it will geotag. Take a photo of the person, so it will do a facial match, and then you are done. Now you do not have to take address anywhere. You can do it anywhere in the country, right? Because you just have to have more and more verifiers. Then we said, Ki verifier kaan se So we spoke to India Force, right? Because there are postmen everywhere in the country. So we partner with India Force. So it worked beautifully, right? In the background verification, you started only with address because background verification... Includes like verifying education credentials. So you have to check if they actually passed out from the university or police case, court case, all of that. So in blue collar, you do not know that much of education structure because education typically they are 10th and below. So education does not matter. You're not hiring for education anyway. Like, ha. So wo critical nature. But you have to do identity check. Identity check start. So identity check was easier because you can partner with Adhar and and and. PAN and voter ID and there are a lot of systems available. Criminal court record check was a problem. So we said, okay, if you have to go to a police station, get it done, it takes time, right? Because police is also busy, the processes are long, longer. So we started doing a digital verification using court data. So there are government data which are digitized. Fortunately, this is possible in last six, seven years. It was not possible 10 years back, right? Because there was no digitization of data. So the push for digitization also helped us. We do a lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms and we run through this system every day to figure out if there is any antecedent against, let's say, Praveen. And it will pop up based on our algorithm So it happens by the system again, right? There is no manual intervention required. 
This collaboration with India Post, how did that come out? Because that seems like a key unlock. Like unlocking that collaboration would have really changed your trajectory in terms of giving you instantly the ability to do pan-India verification and like really increasing the value that you can add. Yeah, so I think India Post, if you think of India Post like 10 years back, India Post was only a postman company as such, right? But they changed quite a bit over the last six to eight years, right? They started becoming more and startup kind of mindset. They partnered with e-commerce companies to delivery as well, right? They started a lot of new initiatives. So they were very progressive in their thinking that I have a huge manpower, I have a reach. There are companies like Better Place, like Flipkart, like Amazon who need the reach. So they started doing that, right? There was no new initiative like the, the mobile banking, which the postman was carrying on top of Adar and all. So there are a lot of such initiatives they brought up. So they were very, very forward thinking that way. So they said, okay, we are good to do it. But we we have, we also run our own verifiers as well on the ground. So we have thousands of verifiers on the ground who can also do. So we basically look at optionality all the time, right? Whether the person is doing or someone else is doing, right? So anyone can uh, pick that task. It's like you are booking an Ola cab. There are 10 Ola drivers who can pick up and one of them will pick. We do the same thing. We have multiple people in the same location and whoever picks it up. Amazing. So these are like gig workers. Higher gig workers, exactly. Okay. So uh, tell me the journey from there. So once you built this in, then how did you go about in terms of client acquisition, scaling up? So you fixed your supply chain in a way, like being able to supply the verification service. Tell me about the demand generation part of it. Certainly, certainly. So we started in 2015, right? We had our first customer in 2015, September after nine months. And this, this was House Joy, one of the growing startups at that point. Yeah, Urban Club competitors. Urban Club competitors, exactly. So Sunil was the co-founder and we worked very well with them. That was the first customer. And I was the only salesperson. I was the only inside sales, marketing, lead generation. And this is the case for every company that starts, right? So, so the first few customers we got through personal contact. Uh, we'll go and talk to them. We'll get them. The next set of customers were through LinkedIn. So we will, so every day we will read newspaper. This could be 8 million, half million, 2 million funding will get. So you start chasing them. And that's how we got to our customers. Like I read the newspaper in the morning, runner raised some money. Runner was the company that Zomato acquired the later. So runner raised money. I sent a mail to the runner founder. Runner founder said, okay, come meet. Next day we close the deal. So it worked that way, right? But we were still operating in a limited location. We were operating in Bangalore. We were operating in Delhi and a part of Mumbai. Not So we used to be very selective in where we pick up our tasks, right? We met one of the customers. I would not name them, but we met one of the customers, which was one of the fastest growing startup at that moment. A lot of blue collar workers. So they said, can you do Kolkata and Hyderabad? And we had no clue how to do it. But we said, we are pan-India and we do everywhere. So they laughed. That we know that you don't have, but you are confident you can do it. So they gave us the task. So they said, Ki, agar, if you can do Kolkata in Hyderabad, and you can do it, we will give you entire country. My co-founder and I were there in the meeting. We came out, we chatted for some time. But the interesting thing was that he said, okay, this is our opportunity. So I also believe uh, in biting more than I can chew and then I chew it. Right. So we took this and finally we delivered. The company gave us entire India and that's how we became Pan-India actually. And this was early 2016. Furthermore, then we said, okay, if you have to acquire more customers, there has to be more relationship. We started organizing customer events. We started building communities. So B2B is more like relationship sale, right? You have to be on the feet. It's not like digital sale. So we started organizing events. We started sponsoring events. Some of the events we sponsored, I thought 
we didn't do our job well because we could not tell the story. So we also learned a lot of misses that we happened. But finally, we realized that how to maneuver through the community building. So now we organize our own event. We build our own communities. We bring people together. We share knowledge. And it's a constant activity that we do almost every week for last few years, right? And, and I think what we also realized is that earlier we were telling from Bangalore for the India, right? So then we realized that we have to have people in every metro city where company headquarters are. So now we have a sales team in Delhi, in Bombay, in Hyderabad, Chennai, Kolkata, Pune, Ahmedabad, and all these places, right? So we meet them very often and so on and so forth. So this continues and now we have a bigger sales team, we have an inside sales team, we have a marketing team, we have a pre-sales team, we have a sales team. So it goes to the entire funnel of uh, typical B2B sales uh, as we focus on typically medium and large customer structure. A customer persona, like your ideal customer persona, did that evolve over the years? Like you were earlier chasing startups in the early days. So tell me about that journey. You must have realized with experience that this is a better customer as compared to this and so on. Yeah, I think first first year and a half, we were focusing on largely the conversion fast and the conversion was happening faster in a startup world, right? And that's to logistics and e-commerce. Yeah, fast decision making, good turnaround, digitally savvy. You don't have to convince them. There is no legacy. Technology wala banda you know, you can, I can do something better for you. They trust that guy more than anyone else. And we were carrying our own pedigree of SAP and a lot of technology and other things. So it worked well. But we realized that the overall market for blue collar that we target is 15 crore, 150 million people in India. The startup world or the digital economy, e-commerce, logistics, we're only catering to 10 million people, right? So we are leaving everyone aside, right? So first we said, okay, we focus on this industry. We win this as much as possible. Then we said, okay, which are the other, other industries where the problem is bigger and Potentially, we can solve. So we went industry by industry, city by city. So we, then we picked up private security guard because that's where, when when we did our study, I saw private security guard was saying, when we went deeper, we found there are 70 lakh private security guards in India. And it was a big, big number and never served, right, as an industry. So we started partnering with them. We had our own association partnerships and all. So we started serving private security. Next was facility management, like, Accenture was one of our big customers that we signed in 2017-18. Accenture has 25,000 workers. They are the drivers, security guards, cleaners, janitors, plumbers, and so on. So we came, we brought the system. Then we saw retail, we bought a chain. We spoke, I was one of the largest retail chains. They're all headquartered in Bombay. Then how do you do it? While you go to a particular retail chain, or you go to a KFC or a McDonald's, there are only 10, 12 people, right? Or a Domino's. But there are thousands of those shops or chains, right? If you aggregate them, this number is almost 50, 55 lakh people in India. The organized one, the unorganized one, like mom and pop shop, is three crore people in India. So we said, okay, we will not get into unorganized. We'll focus into organized. So retail became another industry. Similarly, BFSI became, now we look into manufacturing. We are yet to get into construction, right? Because construction is something we are planning later this year or next year. But we went industry by industry and city by city, right? So that's how we planned our solutions. The other thing that could be interesting for you and audience is that when you go into industry, you also need deeper understanding of the industry because every industry does not behave in the same way, right? A logistics industry, a delivery boy can come in the morning, do two-hour job and run away, right? But in a McDonald's, the guy has to work eight hours because there is a lot of expertise required, right? So it works very differently. When you are on the field, it works very differently versus you are in a 
under the shade, right? Like a shop. It was very different. So we had to also learn, and it's not like just copy-paste everything. You have to learn that industry and do it specifically for that industry. Targeting founders was something which you could do through, let's say, cold emails or personal connects, introductions, so on. How did you learn to target like these large companies, like say a retail company headquartered in Bombay? You would obviously not be able to reach the CEO. Why would the CEO give you time to talk about background verification, for example? So how did you crack these large deals? Yeah. I've submitted a secret sauce. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we, we, we did three things, actually. And I'm being very candid and open in this conversation. So number one, we still use our digital reach out, right? Through LinkedIn, sending mail, sending this thing. Someone will respond, sending five people in the same company, those emails and all. Second is that we started looking at one degree of separation. That means someone who knows them who we know, right? For example, we have investors, so my investor might know them, or we have a customer that customer might know them, right? So let's say I'm working with one customer, can you connect with the other customer or the person in that company and so on? So that's the one degree of separation we use. And the third thing that we realized is that you have to bring community together. So we started doing events, smaller, bigger events, either participated. Events on what team? So let's say there is an HR event happening. We will go and participate in that event with 10 people. Then we started organizing our own smaller event. So we partner with ETHR World that called 10 HR heads from these companies and we will do a dialogue, right? And in that dialogue, we will talk a little bit about Better Place also. So that at least you have got a card and they know you by name and the company and then later you go and meet them, right? So these are the three approaches that we had actually from building the network and connection. And that these are the three things that we continue to use even now. How did you decide on the pricing part? I guess you are operating in an industry where pricing is already set because like background verification has very standard rack rates for different types of verification. So did you like just go with that or like? No. So the price for blue collar, not many people used to do background verification. Most of the background verification used to be done for white collar. And the price point was typically 3,000 to anything between 3,000 to 8,000 rupees. In some cases, it can go up to 20,000 rupees. Now, in a blue collar where the salaries are much lower, you charge 3,000, no one will do it, right? So, I'm not technology say, Kiyar, to cost was come to. So, I said, Kiyar, cost to come, chalo, 50 rupees me karate, 100 rupees me karate. Then, it's okay, if 100 rupees me people will not trust us. Kiyar, so, it's not price come me kaise karate. That guy charging 3,000 bucks, it's not that they are making 2,900 rupees profit, right? Whether, whether it's a white collar or blue collar, kam to kam hi hai, and you still have to do the same background verification. People will say we are sending junk data and they will not trust. So we increase the price. So increase the rack price. If the rack price would be 550 bucks, 800 bucks, 900 bucks, depending on different models that you use. But we also told them that, okay, see, I am doing technology. This is my cost. I'm ready to do at this price. This is my rack price. I'm ready to give you the discount. So we said, okay, we have to have certain margin for our account management, sales costs, technology costs, and some margin to run the business. But I will pass all the benefits to you because I am getting the benefit. So we brought the price down from 3000 bucks to 300 bucks actually. And that is where we created the complete disruption in the market from a pricing and product point of view. Because product we have kya tha ki pehle background verification will take 15 days to a month. We were doing in hours, right? Because of technology. So we brought the, brought the speed we brought scale and we brought efficiency, which is from a price cost point of view. So, no, I was just saying that key pricing was more of a 
discovery at that time than a very thought through process. Nowadays, we have a very standard protocol on defining price of our all models. As in, you're not doing discounting anymore? Or like, I wanted to understand discounting. Like, when when is it a good idea to do discounting? When should you have, like, this is our pricing, take it or leave it, like a very standard kind of a model. Like, which model is better for what situation? It's a very tricky thing to do, especially for a B2B customer on a pricing side. B2B, may you state the price for future also. So, once you do at a price... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Renewals will happen. Yeah. Huh. And you have set the price of future. So, you cannot bring it up and down and all. So you have to be very careful with price. We did some mistakes, but we corrected it. So like you gave too much discount. We gave too much of discount or we just focused on acquisition and didn't bother about price at that moment and all. But it's a company decision, I think, uh, how you want to set it up. So my suggestion, and I'll tell you how we did wrong, but my suggestion would be that have a fixed price, NAC price, always. So let's say it is 100 rupees. Depending on your customer volume, your LTV and other things, you can give a discount, anything which ranges from 100 to 0%, right? But that's your call on how you want to, what margin you want to have and so on. But have a fixed price. What we did was we didn't have a fixed price. We were always changing the price for every customer in the conversation. What we continue to do, we continue to give discounts, of course. Uh, it's a part of the model. So our thought process is that if a customer, one of our customers, has, let's say, $100 of potential business, with, including all the modules that we have. I might be landing with one module, but what is the total size that I have? So I don't bother about price of one module. I only look at total volume that I can get over a period of five years, and then I price it accordingly. Same thing I will be pricing to someone else. So let's say I come to you, and I say you use my higher ATS or onboarding module. You have, let's say, 10,000 people. I will give my higher onboarding and ATS model might be for free to you. I will not even charge a dollar. So I give you 100% discount in that case. Right? But I have a possibility that I can actually start expanding into all the other services and I'll make enough money out of that, right? But in some customer, I know that my journey will end with onboarding and higher ATS. Then I do not give discount there. I charge might be... 50% might be 100% depending on the volume or the size of the customer. So uh, higher ATS is a product plus service, right? Like because you do verification within higher ATS or, or that is like separately priced. Well, what is higher ATS? Yeah. So the three parts of the solution typically. One is that you identify a resource and hire the person. Second is you manage the person, right? Day-to-day -day operations and other things. And third is, that you want to engage the person by benefits and other things. The first block has three components, higher ATS, onboarding, and KYC. So higher ATS is applicant tracking system. You want to hire 10,000 people, you come to that system, you say, I want to have 10,000 people out of the 10,000, 100 people in Bangalore, 10 people in Koramangla, gender, you want to post this job in Facebook, you want to post this job in ShareChat, you want to post this job in the job board, you want to post in Better Place job board like Rocket, you can do this entire thing. Candidates will start applying and the database start getting created, right? And you can track who applied, who got selected, not selected. Once the candidate is selected, you have to onboard the candidate, which is collection of documents, right? Once you have to who is your going to be your manager, working location. There are multiple different things that you do. Right? You also sign an employment letter, code of conduct, and all those things. And then you verify those documents, which is your KYC or background verification. These three things is basically one block of hiring, as we call it, hire and onboard. 
And what is higher ATS priced at, like broad range? or So higher ATS onboarding, typically if we give higher ATS, we give everything. If you take only higher ATS, we give it for free uh, because that's our uh, engagement model. But if you take higher ATS onboarding and KYC together, then per person per month could range depending on your volume. It could range from 50 rupees to 100 rupees. Per person, per month. Okay, okay. So the first set of product was higher ETS plus onboarding KYC, which you built. So tell me about the product extensions, how you created more upselling opportunities and what was the thought process for each launch that you did? How did you go about launching it? Yeah, so so we did this higher ETS. So higher ETS, we built later. But first, we built the KYC and onboarding and then higher ETS. So I'm like, yeah, then we were with a customer, a security guard company, uh, MD was the person named Vishwanath uh, Katti, uh, and he became a very close friend and our mentor as well. He has been in this industry for like 35 years. So we were sitting and chatting, ki, uh, what is the other way of creating meaningful data that we give access to credit and other things, right? Because with the onboarding data, you do not get credit still. Why did you care about credit? I think if you look at the blue collar, na, hum, we take a default here. We have a credit card, we swipe it. A blue collar people, they do not get access to credit, right? So they end up paying uh, um, 36%, 50%, 100% interest rate, right? Which is uh, kind of insane, right? So we said, we have to do something. We are still trying to crack the code uh, even now. But when we are sitting with him, he said, my biggest problem I have the data now with you and I have my guards are working in different locations, but I don't know whether they're coming on time or not. And I do not know, uh, I have to pay for 30 days, I have to pay them 20 days because they all write in the register. And then I, we started investigating here, Sari log register mein likhte hai, overtime ka problem hai, iska problem hai, compliance ka problem hai. So it's said ki, okay, let's look and think through. So then we researched a bit more, we saw ki biometric device hai, which is like full proof, okay, you can still do your thumb and, and do it. But that's not cost effective, right? Because biometric devices are expensive. If in a location you have only five guards and you deploy a biometric device of 20,000 bucks, it's not cost effective. So now everyone has a smartphone. How can we use a smartphone for this purpose? So we created a facial recognition based geotagged attendance solution. Now that solution not only takes attendance, but does multiple different things. And that's what our research and progressive uh, uh, improvement that. So it becomes your leave management system. It becomes your uh, overtime management system, your compliance system, your payroll system and everything. So that's how that one conversation with Mr. Katti uh, that was in 2018 that led to the complete solution of attendance and payroll the way we have built it today. And then we saw this is a requirement in logistics as well. Okay, logistics made the people who are in the warehouse, the packers, movers, they need it, right? So we started working now with logistics and e-commerce customers like Dunjo's of the world or Amazon and so on. So there are many customers that we have which are outside then we saw this is required in retail as well because shop mein jo aata hai, usko So we we evolved over time that okay, there are multiple different things that we can do. That was one part that we did from a management. And now when you do attendance, we saw there's another problem, rostering, right? How do you say the person has to work in the morning shift or night shift, right? People will, what they will do is that, Sanjuki, uh, you have a uh, thousand employees. Then you will call someone and this is such a manual process which was not scalable, right? So we said, since we already have the data, we have the attendance, why don't we build rostering on top of it? So we said a manual rostering, right? You will say that, okay, Pravin will come for this week, morning shift, next week, evening shift, and so on. So we, we did an uh, rostering mechanism. 
you build the rules in jail. You say a person has to work one week this, one week that, one week this. And if the person is not happy to do night shift, then you swap with another person who can take night shift and so on. So now the system automatically started doing roast. And the person gets the message that you are roasted for next week in the evening shift. So you come at that time, right? And attendance now is linked to roastering. So if your roastering is in the evening shift, you come in the morning, the attendance is not activated for you. So pehle kya hota tha ki resistance tha usme koi activation nahi tha main jab bhi aaya maine sign kar diya aur wo system mein dikhega ki isko pay karna hai ab wo problem bhi khatam ho gaya right so so many things that you can do with digital journey right did you price this as a service like per employee i mean there, there is like payroll as a service which you can get or did you price this as a product pricing with a subscription or like how did you price the, the payroll these and attendance so this is the software part which is again charged per person per month 3 years contract part of the platform so attendance could typically we charge a rupee per person per month for attendance so if you have 10000 employees then it's 10000 rupees per day uh, is what we charge right and if you need any support from us some customization some training then there is an over some price that we charge right and that leads to your payroll information because what we do is that we take the attendance data we build a master roll we build all the compliance things and calculate your salary now you can use the salary and pay into the bank account of the individual through our system or you can take the attendance data take into an excel and do whatever you want right today we do it for up to 25000 people payroll as a service payroll is a software we do for like the people but as a service we do only for 25000 people but why restrict it why not just offer it to everyone because if you built the systems processes you know why not No, no, we are. We'll do it. So we 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 started it only with the acquisition of Oilex people last year. Uh, so we acquired a company with that. We built a service. This is not what we were doing. You said the the company Oilex people, like no. Oilex that classifies. Yeah, yeah. They had a. They have five divisions. One of the divisions was Oilex people that we acquired. And that was like a job job portal or what was that? Job portal and and uh, payroll as a service, staffing as a service. so that that's the company that we acquired and then we started doing it we grew it already almost 150% in last one year now we are going all out so we wanted to set the process correctly no you it's easy to expand because payroll is something that you have to be 100% accurate every day every minute to the last penny right you cannot have a chance ki yaar theek hai iska 1 rupaye kam chala gaya theek hai de do to waisa nahi hota so and it has to run 24 by 7 right If you have an onboarding system, if it goes down for an hour, you can still survive. An attendance and payroll solution has to run twenty-four by seven. Even if we do a downtime, we do a downtime at twelve o'clock in the midnight to twelve thirty in the midnight, right? But just uh, focus on that half an hour window because that time perhaps no one is using, right? So that's the reason we wanted to take our own time. Now this year onwards, we will offer it to every potential customer of ours. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So now, once you have payroll, then the opportunity for fintech arises, like like you know that because now you are giving salary once a month. You could, for example, do like a daily salary. Exactly. There are some startups doing that kind of a daily salary thing and so on. So, so tell me about that. Huh? Like, like what all kind of fintech stuff have you done? Because you have payroll information. So exactly, we acquired another company called House last year. through that we train millions of people every year right so that's a digital way of learning so then we realized that now we have sufficient data and enough data to do all the benefits that we wanted to do from day one so the first thing we started was insurance so we have now partnered with insurance companies you want to buy insurance for your employees you come 
in the platform, you create cohorts, insurance will be bought and you get the best deal compared to anyone else because it's it's a package better. And since we have a larger volume, the pricing is better, right? So you can get the insurance. Now the advantage that you buy through the platform is, typically insurance, you, you have used the HRMA system, but you are buying insurance, let's say from another insurance provider. You take the data, send the data on an Excel to them. They will read the data and they will give the insurance. The insurance card will come after 15 days. Now 10 people left the job or 1,000 people left the job in between. Again, you have to send the data. Again, this will happen. And the process is a daily process because people are leaving, people are coming. So we said we will integrate with the insurance companies because you already are using this system. So now what happens is that you say anyone who joins in Bangalore as a security guard in my location in Accenture office should get 50,000 rupees of insurance. Now you have set the rule. Now a person comes, as soon as you assign the person as a security guard in Koromangla Accenture office, 50,000 insurance gets automatically assigned to that guy. I, the insurance partner will get an API message that the person has joined, please include. The immediately when an API message comes included, this is the credit or the insurance card number of that person. The person on the mobile app gets the insurance card immediately, right? So that entire process is done without people intervention, right? So that's the one thing we have started with insurance. We do it for, again, many of our, our customers, including Accenture. And this is largely health, health insurance. It could be health insurance, it could be life insurance, it could be bike insurance. Uh, these are the t- typically what we see. Health insurance and life insurance are the two most commonly used uh, through our platform right now. And how much premium do you collect? Like what is your, like your total, like your monthly premium total collection or annualized total premium collection? Like just to get an idea of how big is the insure tech part of Better Place? Number of employees that we insure right now throughout network is more than 100,000 people who are, who are insured right now. And this is something we started in recent past only. So now we are partnering with more and more insurance companies. So we will launch it pan India going forward. And then we are also launching on top of that, that you have taken an insurance, your employer bought an insurance of 50,000. You want to take additional 10,000 insurance or you want to add your family into it or you want to take a, we are also creating some interesting products. So three months, dengue hotels of course. So I want to buy dengue insurance for three months. Pay 20 rupees, take that insurance, right? I don't want to spend that for the entire year, right? Because in this segment, the ticket size is small. You have to cater to the specific media. So you can buy now. Those are the products that we'll be launching. Then we we launched merchandise as an offering as a service. Merchandise is like companies are buying t-shirts and bag and other things for their employees. Now, again, the same lo- model, we are partnered with manufacturers. You assign the guy that you have to take two t-shirts, one bag or whatever it is. The person comes, joins automatically. The t-shirts are delivered to the price manually anymore, right? The entire process runs automatically. Now we are launching. And what is the GMV of that, the merchandising business? Merchandise business, we do roughly right now, we do around five crore of monthly business in that. Then we are launching now the, the part which always excited us. That's the early wage access and loan, right? And then we will advance it to savings product now. The problem of any company who is in fintech actually is, but they do not have data for decision making and they do not have a distribution channel. So CAC is high, right? What we have, we have the data for decision making. We already have engagement with the users. Our CAC is almost zero or not, no CAC at all. So now we, with the EWA, we will start pushing very hard uh, from April onwards. We are launching it and I'm very, very bullish on this because Everyone in this space, and this is not only for gig workers, actually. Even if you, let's say, I'm a security guard, I'm working with you. I work from 1st of January till 31st of 
January. My salary will come on 10th of February. I need my money on 2th of January, not on 10th of February. But this is how it is working. So we want to bring this more in the traditional economy, more than the, uh, the gig economy only. This is like this credit product is also launched? Now, April, we are launching it, actually. April, you're launching it. You said EWS. Uh, I didn't understand that. EWA is early wage access, which is like daily pay. Uh, early wage access. Okay. 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 Amazing. Amazing. And this is with a NBFC tie-up. Like there would be an NBFC at the back end who would provide the funds. And like you would be a distribution channel for that NBFC. That's right, actually. That's right. I mean, we will not take it on our own books. We have no plans, right? We want to partner with many NBFCs and create a lead generation and collection model on top of it because we know who should get it. We can do the underwriting algorithm. We have a very solid underwriting algorithm in place, which we have been testing, trying for last few months. And we have a collection engine, which because of the payroll integration, so we can collect it automatically. And that's where we will focus. We do not think right now we will go our own NBFC, but let's see how business pans out over the next couple of years. And collection would be like totally automated 100% because from the payroll only you'll be able to do the collection. Like you don't even need to ask the person to pay. Like the employers pay out from that, you can directly deduct. That's right. That's part of the contract that if you have taken, it will be deducted. So you contractually, you have to do it, but but it will be automated. Yes. Amazing, amazing. So I guess the, the big challenge, as you said, for fintech, insurtech companies is customer acquisition cost, which in your case is completely zero. Does that translate to a better margin for you or does it translate to lower price points for users or like how does that play out? We are looking at reducing the price point for the user actually. So pass the benefit to the user. You know, it's insane. Per month, you charge 3% interest rate, 36% annualized, sometimes 50% and all. If you are, if you and I take the loan, it will come at might be fourteen percent. Right? Why thirty six percent to that guy? So typically you charge thirty six percent because they are delinquencies. That means out of hundred people, five people are not paying, and hence you are charge more interest. But you are charging more interest to the good guys who are paying you. So I really want to bring it down to a sustainable model of eighteen to twenty percentage uh, rather than thirty six percentage because that's where your delinquencies go down, your cost of capital goes down, your CAC goes down and hence you can do better margins on it. Mm, amazing. So like if you were to do a bit of future gazing, like say five years down the line, will you largely be getting your margin through fintech, insurtech or will it be like with the other businesses giving you the low CAC which powers fintech, insurtech margins or will it be like each of these businesses contributing to margin or w- what will it look like five years down the line? Because these are early products. Right now, the numbers may not reflect the what the stable state will be, but what do you think the stable state will look like? HRMS will give you the, will give us the best revenue and the best margin. So the complete HRMS platform that I spoke about from sourcing till exit, including onboarding, KYC, peers, attendance, training, payroll compliance, that would be the largest part of our revenue as well as largest margin, right? That's where the growth happens. Fintech and all, I think, would contribute. Fintech, insurtech, and all those things put together would be around 20 or percentage of our, the entire marketplace services would be around 20, 25 percentage of our total net revenue is how we see right now. But SaaS would be the game changer. And this is something which is like required by everyone Cross region. So today we are in India. We acquired a company in Indonesia. We'll go live in uh, Malaysia next month. Then going out all across Asia and Middle East. And everywhere I have been in last few months, this is the need. Same as India, 
SaaS product and its services on top of it. Is this a conscious choice? FinTech fundraise has been a lot more aggressive in the last two years, probably $500 million, those such companies would have raised. But you feel this is only going to be 20% of your margin. So that's a conscious choice. FinTech, if you look at while the capital raises happened, right, that will be a very small number. Because of CAC, customer acquisition, which you don't have. So, I mean, that is EBITDA part. CAC comes into EBITDA, actually. But I'm only talking about the net revenue, which is like you have paid the cost of capital and what is your net revenue. So, they, they might have a book of, let's say, 100 crore, let's say. In 100 crore of a book value, your net revenue is only 6, 6% comes. The rest all goes to the bank and other things, right? Now, you're with 100 crore. So, to get to a hundred crore revenue, you have to get a book of uh, thousand, two hundred, thousand, three hundred crore rupees, right? Of your book running in blue collars, that is a uh, large amount, right? Because the ticket size will be like two thousand rupees per person, three thousand rupees per person, five thousand rupees per person. That is why we are looking at SaaS revenue. On the other hand, per person, if you have, let's say, you are you are having hundred thousand employees, you will take SaaS for all hundred thousand employees. But my fintech product. My credit product might be taken by only 10,000 of those 100,000 people, right? So my per-person revenue on SaaS is much higher versus per-person revenue. If I divide that 10,000 people into 100,000 people, right? If I calculate for the entire 100,000, that revenue is smaller. That's the reason I said the contribution is here more. And this contribution is still significant, but the SaaS revenue would be always more. So I wanted to understand your learnings from how to make an acquisition successful. You told me about that training company which you acquired. Tell me a bit about that and how you integrated it and how it benefited getting acquired by you. How does a product benefit by getting acquired by another company? Give me some some of your thoughts on that. Sure, sure, Akshay. So I think, first of all, it's a very, very important decision to acquire a company. You do not acquire key. You are going for a, in a shopping mall. You found a shirt key. It's not that, right? It has to be a very long-term commitment to your customers, to your employees, to your shareholders. So there's a lot more thought that goes into it. So a few things that we looked into is uh, whether we should build or should we buy such a solution. Before that, we looked into is that do we really need such a solution, right? So what is the value proposition we will bring it to our customers? Is there a need? Is there, a, is there a, some kind of loyalty, enmity that we can build up with our customers? Can we get more share of wallet and so on? Right? Once we were convinced that this is a required solution, it was a question. Your customers were asking you for training, uh, like for support and training, uh, and you felt that this would increase your share of wallet. That's right. That's right. And we saw that this was the biggest problem and everyone was struggling doing it manually. And we said, why don't digitize it? Right? They were spending already money to do it but they were not doing it in the most efficient way. So you keep your eyes and ears open, see what's happening with the customer, listen to them, and you make your judgment based on that, right? And then you talk to a few customers, KR, I want to do this, would you be interested? And they said, yeah, super interesting. And if it comes in one platform, why not, right? So then we decided, okay, uh, shall we build it or buy it, right? I mean, build will take two years. You need to mature the product. Would you lose an opportunity which is right there in front of you? Uh, would you lose a customer in that case? It's a speed to market, speed to entry becomes very, very crucial, right? So we did a cost estimation. We felt buying it would be better. So we started looking at various different providers, right? Who would be the right choice for us? And when you start looking at different providers, you look into multiple different things, right? Whether they are ready to sell, first of all, not, right? Because you can't buy something which is not ready to sell. Second is that, is the product 
technology, the product, the, the stack which is there is matching with your stack or not, right? So how easy it would be to integrate because you can't have two different worlds running in parallel. Right? Third is the people, right? Are they thinking in the same direction or not? You can buy the product, you can pay it, but then people are not aligned, then it will fail as well, right? Because they have a different direction altogether, different vision, different philosophy, different culture. So we spend a lot of time talking to each other. So once we were clear that this is the path that we will take, we took the product in. But after taking the product, then the next next step starts, right? What is my 90 days, six months, one year roadmap in terms of people integration, process integration? How do we communicate to our customers? We, you, we had spoken to only a few set of customers, right? But we had not spoken to all the customers. Now you have acquired it, you have integrated it. How do you create a GTM around it? How do you position yourself to your customers that this is a winning proposition? How do you ensure that the existing customers of Oust, they get excited with the other solutions of Better Place because you have to do cross-sell and upsell all directions, right? You don't just take it to your existing customer, but you also take your solution to their customers where there is uh, there's a unique uh, different customers, right? So that strategy we worked over six months. And fortunately, we were successful in doing that. So after that, we acquired Asanjo, we acquired Easy Dogs, we acquired OKGo. Okay now we just announced the acquisition of MyRobin. And uh, we have kind of a template right now on what to do, how to do. So hopefully, we will, we will be able to do the others as well successfully. But one of the things that I learned, actually, whatever you do, whatever product integration strategy, whatever you have, the first focus is aligning people's mind that together we will make it better. Together we will make it bigger then everything falls in place. How do you retain the founders? Because you would ideally want the founders to continue to build and scale, right? So what is the... It's a part of, as I said, that there is an alignment of vision. You, When you buy a company, traditionally you buy a company, you say, I'm the boss. You work for me, I bought you, right? But what happens actually on the other side, if somebody buys me, let's say somebody acquires Better Place and they want to retain me, but what will run in my mind? I'm a founder. I'm an entrepreneur. Let me run as an entrepreneur, right? I am not an employee here. Give me the freedom to run this as my company. And that is what we do. Second is that, what is my incentive, right? I'm not here for salary anymore. If I have to take a salary, I will start another company. I've made enough money, right? Because you have already paid enough money that they will earn over the next 10 years or 20 years, 50 years as salary, right? So people are working then for a purpose. The purpose is aligned, right? And then you create an incentive around that purpose that, okay, you are still running this as your company. You are the founder. You are the entrepreneur. And I am there only to help wherever you need help to grow the company. I'm not here to boss you around, right? So that has to be very, very clear. That's the first part. And second part is, of course, you have your own agreement, processes in place, SHA and everything. So there is there's contractually also you do it, but contracts can be broken anytime in my view. It is all about alignment is what I strongly believe in. So like the founders get some cash and some would be equity in better place so that they are, there is long-term alignment. So we always do, which is, this is a very important point, we always do cash plus stock. So cash is basically to ensure key, uh, you have something uh, as you exit. Uh, but stock, because you look at a long-term value creation for all the shareholders, including yourself as a founder of that company. In uh, like this two-year period of 2021 to 2022, you raised about 
almost 65 million dollars which is like a i think probably amongst your peers you would be the most well funded and not just amongst your peers but across sectors so tell me about that like how did you pull off like such a feat it is quite an achievement i would personally say thanks for that first of all i think we were just lucky we did our raise during the most difficult times fortunately or unfortunately right so in 2020 we did it at the middle of covid when people were pulling out 2021 we did it again when the third wave hit unfortunately we were at the wrong time and 2022 when everything was better in the early part of the year we didn't do it we did it at the towards the end when funding winter had come in so it was at, it was always at the wrong time but we were lucky i think the reason are, are two fold in my view actually one is that we are a company that believes in creating tangible value right so it's a very sustainable business model that we have if we have money or we don't have money the business will continue to grow and run money is helping us to grow it faster but we don't need money to run the business and grow the business it is only expand the business so people appreciate that fact that it's a very sustainable and in tough times we become the darling in principle that people say okay if nothing happens at least this will give me 5x 10x return if not people get i guess irrespective of economic conditions you would not get hit right no company will want to cut what they spend on better place because you are an integral part of how they operate without us they cannot scale so it's a tailwind for us every issue that comes up is a tailwind it's not a headwind for us that is number one problem and number two i think you already mentioned is the and the opportunity will never die down or so if you look at this opportunity in asia we are the largest now if somebody has a big fat money at least we will be considered first now whether we take it or they do not get convinced with our model whatever then they'll go to the next one but we as a leader when on the list if you prepare as a vc that five companies i want to invest we will be always there in that list and hopefully always number one right that's how we see ourselves right now can you help me understand like as you said if a vc was to say okay i'm bullish on the blue collar workspace and you will always be in the top consideration so what are the other companies which are operating in this space how how is each company positioned i mean each company would have some different kind of positioning and specialization help me understand this blue collar workspace sector there are three distinct types of companies three to be honest one is the traditional old companies who are doing the payroll for the blue collar team lays and there are many such companies who are not public as well right okay these are like what we would typically call as third party staffing companies third party staffing companies right and their vc is not looking at investment in that sector because that is not going to scale the way they want to scale it that's not a technology play really like that's that's not a technology play the second is the vertical players right like apna as a job board or refine as a ewa or there is a early wage access or or loan right finance fintech company so there could be a vertical play on that or there is another vertical play on skilling but which is a funded that those companies as well apna has got a lot of funding refine has got a lot of funding and so on and so forth right so there is a lot of money that has gone into that but that sector has its own challenge because ltv in a blue collar is per person for a vertical solution is very small so your cac will be always higher than your ltv which came in now if you see everyone is looking into a comprehensive platform play like better place right so we were the largest and the largest in india now we are the largest in asia the company which was the largest in indonesia we acquired the company which is largest in malaysia we are acquiring and we will go into so they basically like if you read anything new right now 
from a VC point of view for a blue collar segment in future, they all talk about the comprehensive platform because of the reasons I mentioned. So in they spend the company which is doing fairly well is jobs and talent. In 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 US, if you look at their company like Upwork, which is doing really well, right? So there are companies in other regions who have also started coming in a similar fashion. This company, My Robin, that you acquired, what was the rationale behind that? What, what do they do? So My Robin is the largest when it comes to gig staffing model in Indonesia. They have a large number of customers. Some of them are like Shopee and, and so on. So they basically provide a technology platform when you need resources, right? So for example, you want 50 people in next one week for one month. They will take care of their, their platform. They have 3 million job seekers on the platform. They manage roughly 10,000 plus people every day from a job opportunity point of view. And the money flows through them, like they handle. And they take a fee for the flow of the money, right? So for us, they, so when we looked into Indonesia or Asia, we wanted to get into, first of all, South Asia. That was very clear. Then we chose Indonesia because of similarity with Indian culture. Digitization is taking place, but still behind India. Population is very large, very, very eager to use technology in every aspect of life. So we had a very clear picture that, okay, Indonesia has to be our first option in South Asia. Now we look into multiple different options there. My Robin came out as the best option, primarily because the, the founders and we are completely aligned in our vision. The teams are completely aligned in the vision. So we have absolute clarity on how we want to move forward. Like some of the examples that I mentioned already, they picked all the boxes. And then we looked into their customer base, very solid customer base. Now with that customer base in the country, with a solid team, with this solid growth over last two years, we now can expand that as well as bring the entire platform that BetterPlace has and even increase the share of wallet and create more value for our customers. Right? So we saw this beautiful marriage and, and then there was no looking back. Okay, let's go ahead. And they were very keen to partner with a company like BetterPlace to also take wings to fly further down. Right. So we, we thought this works very well. For customer, for people, for shareholder, why not do it? And are you planning to bring that product to India? The, the like hiring gig workers, payment flowing through that platform. I, I don't think there is a comparable product in India, or at least not a large one. Right. Yeah, we are currently evaluating. We will bring everything in the single take stack. Actually, finally, so the offerings will be available across all geographies, right? Not only India and Indonesia, but it will be available in Thailand and Middle East and wherever we go, because it will be one single take stack that we will have finally. So we are currently working on the roadmap execution. It'll take some time. Uh, we have between six to nine months is when we are planning to do the complete integration. And that it's available to all. What happens when you do the technology integration? Do you like rewrite the code on which it was built so that everything is using the same language and stack and all that? Or like, how does that happen? Because if you do that, then you have a hell lot of tech debt, right? That means you have only acquired the customer and the team and you are writing everything again. So that will create a lot of issues. So one of the things that we look at at the very beginning of acquisition is there a possibility to integrate or not. You take the two sticks, stack, and how easy they can be merged. So we both run on microservices. So rewriting, but integrating. Now, when you integrate, one is the technology integration. The second is the process integration because you have to follow different processes. Third is the customer has been using certain parts. Now you have to migrate the data into the system as well, which is the new system in principle, which is integrated, right? So migration typically takes 
three months, four months. So take integration can happen very fast. The migration can be longer because customer also has a say into that. Right? That is why it takes slightly longer, like I mentioned, six to nine months. But we look at reusing as much as possible. Of course, there will be certain changes yeah. that we have to do, specifically creating new APIs, new services for integration. So the large focus is on integrating, not rewriting. And this OKGO, OK which you acquired, this is like similar to MyRobin, right? In terms of... Yeah, there are, there, are, there are similarities. There are similarities. And this is where we are bringing capabilities of each one. And then we'll have a comprehensive one single landscape. And OKGO OK is like India-based? OKGO OK is India-based, yes. What would you advise to the listener who is thinking of starting up, who wants to be a founder? Any uh, advice you'd like to share with people about before they actually jump into the journey of entrepreneurship? That's a very big thing to answer. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm, I'm capable of doing that actually, but like, let me take a step and experience my thought process. I think as an entrepreneur, what runs in my mind all the time, right? is chaos, is frustration, it is uncertainty, it is opportunity, right? So these are the things which are running all the time. So as an entrepreneur, first of all, you should be very happy with what you are doing. You should be very bullish. Everyone says it is not possible. You should be absolutely convinced this is possible. Right? Second is that you love it. You, are, you just fall in love because you, when you fall in love, you do everything around it, right? Even if you were not in love, before starting, but once you started, you fall in love with it. Right? Third thing is that I think most of the time we think about survival and what's due or valuation, but we should think about really big and creating value for our users or customers. Right? If we think that money will pour uh, in some way or the other, even in the difficult times, which we have seen for ourselves as well. Fourth is the patience is very important. Patience is very important. I think especially in the market like Better Place, it takes sometimes longer journey to create a sustainable model, right? So patience is very, 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 very important in my view. And sixth and last one is have great people around you, people who are who are challenging you. So one of the philosophy that we follow, we only hire people who can become my boss. We do not hire people who works under me. So people who tell me what to do, people who drive me, people who guide me, people who order me. So they can become my boss at any point of time. That's the philosophy that, that we follow. Have people who run it so you can go home and sleep at times, right? So that is the basic thing. How do you attract people who are smarter than you, like people whom you could make as your boss? Like, like what's the way in which you run the hiring function? We First of all, we look at that can we have a coffee and a drink and talk about anything and everything other than work together. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that the person person is able to take risks because taking no risk is a bigger risk in our lives. So can you think big? Can you be entrepreneur? Is the leader, is the person looking for his or, his or her own success or looking for something creating positive, right? Your success follows if you have a great team, not for yourself. Right? So third thing we look at is that the person really happy in life. If you're not happy, you cannot create happiness for your customers, your employees, your partners, colleagues, whosoever, right? And the fourth thing that we look at is the creative thinking, audacious thinking. Right? If you have those things, then it works in principle. Uh, that's how we go about from a leadership position or anyone for that matter. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. 
Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.